When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I think the next level really is all about winning. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much a 500 quarterback in my career so far, and I don't think uh, that's where you want to be, and that's not, you know, why you... Um, you know, are, are brought in or, or people are excited about you. So um, if I don't play well, if I don't have gaudy statistics, but we win multiple playoff games this year, the narrative will be I went to the next level. And I may not walk off the field every day feeling like I did, but if we win, that's the life of a quarterback is, is you are at the next level. And if I have my best year yet in 2019, but we're 8-8, eight and eight, I didn't go to the next level. So I am working on currently... It's not ready yet. An article about those comments from Kirk Cousins as we transition now from Score North Live to Purple Daily. Courtney Cronin is back, smelling like football, refreshed. Maybe a little bit of sun there in Europe. Did yep, get, yeah. yep, whole lot of sun. Uh, my hair's a little lighter, I think, because of the sun. Does that happen? I, I mean, I'm just getting ready for training camp so I can let my cranium bask in a 90-degree day. <laughs> well, you have a really impressive hat. It's, that you I, have wear a, I actually got another one. Okay. I have a bucket hat that is coming with me to training camp this year. So we have uh, specific tools of the trade. One is uh, taking two bottles of water and stuffing them in both back pockets. Um, the, the I don't know what that's like because I wear a fanny pack that oh, everybody that, seems to make fun I, of me for. I'm, I'm just up. equipped. I'm equipped. It's, You're not. Your fanny pack is uh, very effective. It is. Uh, it is, for sure. So we are uh, getting ourselves prepared for training camp. It's two weeks from two today. away. Uh, I, w- I want to go over some of the things that I discovered in looking into what the next level for Kirk Cousins is. But you sent me an article that opens with talking about Kirk Cousins and his season. It's by Dan Graziano of ESPN, and he writes the 10 players entering make or break years uh, and how each could leave in 2020. So now Kirk Cousins couldn't leave in 2020. He's going to be here. But he starts out the article talking about whether... It's a make-or-break year for Kirk Cousins in 2019. And he immediately says, Dan Graziano, the writer of this article, of course not. And right away, I disagree with him. Because I think this is not only a make-or-break year for Kirk Cousins, that's where it begins, but for many, many people in this organization, considering how the last five years have played out. And even though he would not be leaving in 2020, If you're going to start a contract extension conversation with Kirk Cousins, you're not going to do it in 2020. 
You're going to do it after this season in next offseason. To me, that makes it a make-or-break year for Kirk Cousins. And I get where Dan was coming from with that because the Vikings, regardless of whether they're going to extend him going into next offseason before next training camp is when I think you'd expect that. Um, regardless of whether they do that or they let him be a lame duck quarterback, they still are on the hook for nearly $30 million of the $84 million that's fully guaranteed. So... I understand that Kirk still gets paid, but in terms of the Minnesota Vikings and the success of this franchise and what happens to jobs next year, what happens to the trajectory of this team, it's very much make or break for Kirk Cousins. And I go, I think in my head, you know, back to the sound that we played at the top of the show, just where Kirk was talking about being a 500 quarterback and what is next level for Kirk. Well, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman have been talking about it since the combine. Gaudy statistics are not going to cut it. Right. It's a situation where if they don't make the playoffs, that is deemed a failure. How often do you ever see this in football where almost everyone acknowledges you better win quarterback man because nothing else matters to us. And Kirk Cousins said it right there that he acknowledges this. And he talks about the only thing that um, I didn't love from his comments was he talked about the narrative, which kind of uh, um, assumes that it's us who will look at it this way and not the team. And here's breaking news, Kirk. It is the team who's going to look at it this way, because if they go eight and eight this year and they miss the playoffs, if he throws for four thousand and thirty and all those things again, they're not going to be impressed And I know he's going to talk about how, well, you know, my quarterback coach is going to see one thing and they're going to grade me and evaluate me this way and everything else. But you know who's not going to grade and evaluate him that way is the owners of this team who are making the big calls here. When it comes to extending Kirk Cousins, that goes above Rick Spielman in my mind. This goes all the way to the Wilfs. Yeah, that's an ownership decision for sure. And so even if he puts up his best pro football focus grade of his career, and even if he has his best ESPN QBR... and rating, and he makes the Pro Bowl and everything else. If they go eight and eight, it doesn't matter what their defense looks like. It doesn't matter what their kicker does. Like that's why they brought Kirk Cousins here. They didn't get him here to make Pro Bowls. They got him here to win more games than Case Keenum could when it came to the playoffs. So that leads me to something else because we agree on this make or break for his future and the, and a contract extension and is he the franchise quarterback for the next ten years and so forth. But here's what I want to know though. What is an actually successful season for Kirk Cousins? I mean, how do we define that? Is it only by playoff wins? I think the first the first step you can take is it has to be better than 8-7 and 1. Sure. Which I mean, that's not asking for a lot. I mean, the NFL's hard. It's hard to win games in this league, but if you're paid that much money, granted the market did command it, you're still expected to perform. And you have like let's not forget, this is one of the most talented rosters in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Still They brought back a lot of defensive pieces. They made upgrades on offense. They did everything they had to do to support Kirk in the supporting cast around him. You Now it's on your shoulders to win, to be able to take all the tools that this team has given you to perform and jump to the next level. Now, I don't think next level, I mean, a zebra does not change his stripes. He's going into his eighth year in the NFL, his fourth year as a starter. I don't know if you're going to see that much different of a quarterback itself. Mm Mm-hmm. But you have to do the little things, the things that were, you know, correctable within this new system that they built for you to be able to not fumble the ball away at the 42 yard line or whatever it was in Los Angeles and not um, get yourself into a pickle against, uh, you know, Buffalo or things like that. I mean, you can't make those types of mistakes because that's the difference between winning and losing games. Obviously, 
the play it's playoffs or bust for this team because they have not been able to cons- string together consecutive playoff seasons under Mike Zimmer. So I think that that's uh, that's the overarching goal. And for Kirk Cousins, whether that's nine and seven, nine and seven's technically. I mean, if that can get you into the playoffs and get you a first round game, or you know, you're playing wild card weekend. Um, you have to win that game. It's not just for me. It's not just getting there that's important. It's they have to at least get a playoff win under Kirk Cousins because he doesn't have one. What's interesting about the Kirk Cousins conversation is I agree with you that it's got to be one playoff win at least, but that we've changed where the goalposts are a little bit in the conversation where now you and I didn't feel this way last year going into the season, but I think many people did. You and I felt like if they win another playoff game this year, that'll be a success because how with this offensive line are you really going to win a Super Bowl? I don't think you can. We didn't feel that way in training camp. In training camp last year, we looked at that offensive line and said, okay, I don't know, this team could miss the playoffs. And then people got mad at us and they missed the playoffs. But uh, with this time around, I look at it as they do have a stronger roster than they did last year because of some of the additions through the draft with Irv Smith and with Garrett Bradbury. And they now supposedly have fixed the issue with the offensive coordinator. So you raise the bar a little bit as an organization from where it was last year. Maybe midway through last season, they said, okay, it's not realistic for us to win the Super Bowl this year, but they wanted playoffs. They wanted a playoff win. And now we're saying, well, you know, a playoff win would be pretty good for Kirk Cousins. But it's funny to me since he got here and it's basically the same team. And we said, and the whole Super Bowl or bust was the big conversation. And now that's dropped back down to, well, maybe it's not realistic to call a Kirk Cousins team Super Bowl or bust, which might tell you a lot about the make or break being, is it, is it almost already broken unless he surprises everyone and goes to the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship? Well, I just think that it's sometimes unrealistic to expect that one player can come in and turn you into a Super Bowl contender. Even last year, I know that the Super Bowl or bust, what did he call it? He called it narrative? Yeah. I'll use that word too. The narrative around this team was Super Bowl or bust going throughout training camp into, you know, really they hit a wall week three and people are like, yeah, uh, probably not. And I just don't think it's fair to look at it through that lens. I think that it's putting cart before the horse too much. Look at it as a play, as a, as a team in a crowded division. That if they can somehow make it out of that, get some quality wins, and get to wild wild card weekend at minimum, put like I I think for expectations, you don't want to like overdo it. That should be the goal right there, and anything else after that is gravy. Yes, they still do have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, and could they, should they be a team that makes the playoffs without question? I think so. I think of you know of the teams that you have in that bracket, they should easily be in there from the NFC. But realistically, and kind of not still not knowing, okay, is Kirk able to take his game to the next level? I think the preseason expectation should be this should be a wild card team at minimum. So, what does a one and done do to Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, and Rick Spielman? When we're talking about make or break, and that feeling is absolutely around this team 100% with a lot of different people. That's a great question. I, I mean, I, that, that would be one where you would love to ask, you know, Mark and Ziggy Wilf over a beer or something, you know, you'd love to say, or over a Diet Coke in my case, uh, you'd like to say, okay, so realistically, you go nine and seven, lose first round. Because to me, that, that situation is really tough. If they go nine like and seven. like he made it to the playoffs. Right. Anyways, he did, he got 
over the hump right. with this team. You got to the playoffs in a very tough NFC with a lot of win-now type of teams and probably a better Lions team, a better Packers team, a still very good Chicago team. So you don't expect to go 12-4, and four, even if you're really good, because of who's playing in your division. And you go... Nine and seven, it isn't that bad of a record if you're in the playoffs still. You don't have to apologize for whatever record you get as long as you get in, right? And then you lose. It's still going to feel like, I think it's still going to feel like a huge failure to them. I do too. And I know that in a conversation I had with Mark Wolf uh, at the owners' meetings, that it's the elusive Lombardi trophy is something he says he thinks about every day and that he did think that they would have a championship by now. So... In looking at that, you've got to wonder, okay, what is the, what's the shelf life on Kirk Cousins in their eyes? Um, is getting to the playoffs enough? I don't think so. They're going to want to see some sort of performance because they need to see return on their investment. I mean, they gave, they gave Rick Spielman, they gave the front office, the coaching staff what they wanted, which was, okay, go out and get the best quarterback on, available to us on the open market. That's not Drew Brees. Um, go get Kirk Cousins. They paid $84 million for him. It's not worth it to just get to the playoffs and lose. I mean, they need to start seeing, okay, there's something you can build on. You can't, I don't think you can build on just one playoff performance and a loss because he's had that before. Right. And, he, and, and it's, it really didn't do anything for his career in helping him take that next step. It's going to feel like the ceiling with him because yeah. he's had good teams before in D.C. and they weren't perfect. But that's the thing about every NFL team is they're not perfect. Houston last year is in the playoffs with a worse offensive line than the Minnesota Vikings, right? And there are other teams. How about Kansas City? Kansas City had an embarrassment for a defense, and they're this close to going to the Super Bowl because they got unbelievably good quarterback play. And it's really, how do you overcome the shortcomings of your roster in a league where there's a salary cap Everybody's going to have roster shortcomings. Everybody's going to have strengths and weaknesses in a league that if you're last, you get to draft first. And if you're first, you get to draft last. Uh, If you don't have Tom Brady, then uh, it becomes very hard to make up for those differences. And so you have a team that is pretty strong from top to bottom, but will have issues along the way. And last year, the issues along the way ended up getting them. And it kind of makes me wonder all about with Cousins. Did did they really do enough around him? And and yesterday, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus was in here. And when you go through it, it's hard to come away with being too upset with what they've done, even though I would have done it a little differently. If it were me, I'd, I'd be more risky and offense more and not so much buying into the defense. So I wanted Antonio Brown or Golden Tate or somebody who would be exciting on offense to help Cousins. But when you pull it back a little bit and you have two of the best receivers in the NFL, one of the most talented running backs in the NFL, an improved offensive line, a legendary offensive mind doing whatever he's doing that he doesn't want to tell us exactly. I mean, it's like if if it doesn't happen with this. Yeah. Then what is it, it going to happen? Right. It's just, you, you, then you're going to need the 49ers from 1988 in order to get Kirk Cousins into the playoffs if he can't do it with this. Well, at that point, then I think you burn it down. I think that they become in full rebu- rebuild mode and they probably try to switch the philosophy, even starting with the head coach. Maybe th- it, this is what they've done before, um, mm-hmm. where you go defense, offensive minded coach, defensive minded coach. Now, what could the next coach? Potentially, the next coach could be offensive-minded again. Is Kirk still the quarterback? If that's the case, mm. so this I don't is, know. This is a great question of 
Like, if it doesn't work out this year, then what is the reaction? Because you're kind of locked into a lot of people in, in, on offense and defense. You're locked into both wide receivers. You're locked into Kyle Rudolph for at least another year. You have the offensive linemen are rookie, third-year guy, second-year guy, so they're going to be here for quite a while, and you know who your quarterback is going to be. So it's almost like if you went 9-7 and seven and were eliminated in the first round, you would almost be given no other choice than to try and run it back one last time, wouldn't you? You'd think so, but I do see I see the the knee-jerk reaction mm, in yeah. wanting to burn it down and wanting to start over. And I mean, but you're coming in on a lot of guys potentially last year. Kirk's possibly his last year. Who knows with Dalvin Cook? I mean, if he, st- if he doesn't stay healthy this year and he's going into year four, I mean, the Vikings may not want to extend him. I mean, yeah. that's obviously worst-case scenario for him, but... Um, and Kyle Rudolph, you know, he could be out of here, you know, with his, you know, extension that he signed. There's ways that he could be out of here so- much sooner than the time it's due. But I just think that this team and this franchise and these, this ownership has been very patient for a lot of years, not just under Mike Zimmer, but, you know, long before that with, with Leslie Frazier and, and so on and so forth. Um, and I think there's not going to be much patience left with this front office, with the way that, uh, you know, the last year zero or whatever Kirk wanted to call it, <laughs> the way, the way that that panned out. Um, if there's anybody saying that, you're, that the clock is ticking and there's no more time, it's, it's the Wolf family because they've, they've ponied up where they've needed to pony up when they've been told, Hey, we need to get Anthony Barr back. We need to make sure that Everson Griffin stays here. We need to, you know, long before that, we need to get Kirk cousins and everything else. Beyond that, the front office has now done its job. They've gotten the players that they need. Now it's on Kirk Cousins to buy into and to perform well with the pieces that are surrounding him from the coaching staff that's been put in place to build a system for him that mirrors what he did in Washington and also with the players. So, I mean, it's not difficult for me to think that they're going to say enough's enough if they don't see the performance the way that they want it to pan out in 2019. So I was thinking about this as you were bring up this, this scenario with ownership because that's the wild card. I think from maybe a perspective like ours where our job is not on the line, we also don't lose money if we don't make the playoffs. You know, if, <laughs> if the Vikings don't make the playoffs, then you and I just sit home and watch playoff games uh, as opposed to losing playoff gate revenue uh, like ownership would. And they would be very upset, whereas we just watch the playoff games. Um, but so th- the objective perspective on this is probably, all right, even if it doesn't go that well, as long as it's not a complete disaster, you probably have to try it one more time because of Kirk's contract and everyone else's contract. Anthony Barr is going to be here. Um, Daniel Hunter is going to be here. Harrison Smith. I mean, like the, 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 these are too good of players to just try to blow up the roster and tank or anything like that. So you have to give it one more shot, not this year, but next year too, I think. But if you're ownership, you might say, well, We've tried with this head coach and GM, and we've got all these players to take the, our one last shot. Let's hire someone who knows Sean McVay. Yeah, right. I mean, wouldn't that be the reaction, the potential knee jerk that you're talking? That's about? what I'm. That's what I'm saying. That they're going to need the accountability is going to have to fall somewhere because if they fall short again, someone is losing their job because you have you cannot remain status quo if the same result keeps happening. And you're locked into a quarterback that you're gonna. I mean, you're not cutting him. He has a no trade clause. You, oh, I'm twenty nine point five million dollars. He's getting paid that. He's gonna be the quarterback here in twenty twenty. He might not be beyond that, but that's another. That's another story for another topic. 
they might say, okay, something's not working here. The root of this could, in their eyes, be head coach and GM and the package deal really between the two of them because their contracts uh, for the entirety of the time Mike Zimmer has been here have aligned. So they could try to clean house that way and say, let's get an offensive-minded person in here Someone, if you if you want to bring a Sean McVay tree candidate, or they might go somewhere else. Not even that old. Um, How does he have a tree this big? I don't know. Um, maybe they make Gary Kubiak the head coach. Who knows? But um, at, at that point, you just something's got gasoline give. and lighting a match there with that. Um, but but you're right about the the instant reaction from NFL teams is often to do something like this, and it goes back quite a long ways. But this, if this doesn't work out this year. It might remind me of something like the Tampa Bay Bucks in the early 2000s with Tony Dungy, where they came close, they came close, they came close. Dungy ends up getting fired as a defensive-minded head coach, and they bring in John Gruden, and he ultimately takes them to win a Super Bowl. They might look at that and say, well, maybe that's what we really need is somebody. And And I think that's what Gary is supposed to be. I think that Kubiak is supposed to be the offensive head coach that, that kind of just takes full command of the offense. But if this doesn't work out, then they'll probably look at Gary as a little bit on the washed up side and they'll probably, that would be the reaction I think is to go the opposite direction, find the most offensive minded person who you can out there, some offensive coordinator who's had success and take that one last big swing. Because aside from that, if this comes short again, how would you convince fans to buy in for another year to Kirk Cousins. I mean, they're they're going to show up, right? Yeah. They're going to they're going to show up. But how are you really going to sell the team to your fans if you go eight and eight again with Cousins? Because already there's a feeling with Vikings fans that can you really win with a guy who, as he himself said, is a 500 quarterback? Well, I mean, from superlative stuff, you have two thousand yard receivers. Cool. I think that that's, I mean, Adam Thielen will sell tickets here and his story will still resonate with his fan base. The defense will still be very good, I think. I mean, as they get older, that's always something you have to take into consideration. And I think from year to year, defenses have more regression. Um, and if Mike Zimmer's not here, you know, and even if they do go the opposite route where they want somebody who's an offensive minded head coach, what happens to that defense? So I think that it's more than just the Kirk argument you're bringing in here. Because, um, the dynamic of the team would change. Maybe it wouldn't be a bad thing because I think that would adapt and align with more of what the NFL's doing currently. Because some there would have to be some sort of change to to spark this thing in the other direction because there's just not you're running out of time with this experiment. It's a three year experiment to begin with, with so you're not you didn't really allot yourself a whole ton of time because uh, you didn't lock him into some absurd contract where it's mm-hmm. four or five years. But on the flip side of that, the time that you do have is precious and, and half of it's already already gone. So I think that to sell it to fans, like, what would the slogan be? One last shot. Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> colon, know, one last shot. That's right. And it's not so much to sell tickets as it is because people are going to buy tickets. In. But it's the the interest and also from the veteran players on the team, too. I mean, uh, how are you going to tell them if these guys all came back and they Anthony Barr included and they all came back and said, I want to win a championship with these guys here. We were so close in 2017 and we all matter so much to each other on the defensive side. And if they all 
came back and they all did their job again for 16 games and went eight and eight again. I think they're going to be looking around saying, okay, what, what are we doing here? We need something to be different. It can't remain exactly the same and go do it again in 2020. So it, from that, just to tie it back to where we started is when Dan Graziano talks about uh, in his article it not being a make or break year for Kirk Cousins necessarily. I think he's looking at the contract, but in the bigger picture, it is for almost everybody and how they feel about Kirk Cousins too, how ownership feels about him, how players on the defense feel about him, how his wide receivers and whether the head coach and the general manager um, succeed or not rests on him. Zimmer said it at the combine two years ago. He said, if we blow this decision, I I'm get fired. fired. He knew it at the time that he did it. And I just, I would have loved to have been around Zimmer when he was ramping up to that decision, like a hard knocks behind the scenes. What was going through his mind when that decision was happened? Cause that was the closest we ever got to really seeing it was if we botch this, I'm fired. And they kind of went the safest route that there was with Cousins, even though it was expensive. It was the the safest, most proven route that you could predict what the guy was going to do. And whether he goes better than 500 or this year or not will ultimately determine Zimmer's future, which is football. Like it's tough, but that's how it that's how it works. So um, anyway, let's take a break. And in this article you sent. Um, we, we've spent some other players too. I was going to say actual. Yeah, that, that what are. Graziano considers actual make or break. I know. But some really I, interesting candidates in there. I spent the first um, twenty minutes here saying like you're wrong, Dan Graziano. So now we're going to look at the other uh, players that he has as make or break hot routes. You are back I'm for back. hot routes. I, I came back from Europe for hot routes. For, for hot routes only. You were planning on moving there and staying there, but you're like I was eh, actually looking for Moritz Bowringer. I was looking for the next one. Oh, the next. That's what I was in Germany Vikings for. Sixth yes. round draft pick mm-hmm. in Germany. Converted <laughs> converted wide receiver. He's a tight end now for the Bengals. Is I don't he? know if you were aware of that. I was not aware of that. Can he catch a football? Um, I have, you never got to see him though, did you? No, I didn't. You got but, here right after. I know Man. the legend, and I was in Berlin, and I was asking everybody about him. I have no clue if he was from anywhere near Berlin, but, you know, German, yes. German wide receivers are kind of my thing. Yeah, that's true, and long snappers. What's wild about uh, Moritz Bowringer is when you look at his combine results, they're unbelievable. They're incredibly good. You, is this from the you, NFL combine in Europe? or No, the, the actual, actual NFL one. combine okay. here, his results are among the best ever by a wide receiver. I mean, they're in Kelvin Johnson's ballpark, Moritz Bowringer. I'm not making this, this up. This so weird. I'm going to pull this up. I don't care how late we are to this break. I'm pulling this up <laughs> to prove this to you, that Moritz Bowringer has one of the greatest combines in wide receiver history. Okay, so he was in the uh, at 6'4", 227. He ran a 4'4", 40. Okay, he was in the 94th percentile in broad jump, 92nd in three cone, and even the 72nd. So he's way above average in bench press. His comparables from mockdraftable.com include Cordero Patterson and Andre Johnson as people who had comparable combine results to Moritz Bowringer. No wonder they drafted him. You know, I love a six round wide receiver. Why not? Just take Especially them. if you have like 26 round picks. All right, let's go over these make or break players when we return. Courtney Cronin back in studio. Uh, we'll come back here on Purple Daily. Minnesota United take on FC Dallas this Saturday evening at Allianz Field. Join me and Dan Terhar beginning at 6.30 p.m. with the kickoff at 7 p.m. right here on Score North, scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. 
from the 45 on second down. Cousins ahead fake. Fires. Thielen has it. Inside the 10. He's into the end zone for a Vikings touchdown. 45 yards from Cousins to Thielen. And the Vikings pull to within five. It's now 31-26 Rams. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here, and your colleague Dan Graziano wrote a cool piece that we're going over, or that we haven't really gotten to yet, but we've talked about. Talked about with, Kirk for uh, the beginning part, because he opened up with Kirk Cousins in the uh, lead of his article. He did, he did. So it's his fault that he did this. Um, but in, <laughs> in terms of players who have an actual make-or-break season because of their contract situations, uh, he starts with Marcus Mariota and... I will tell you, Marcus Mariota is one of the toughest players for me to pin down. I, at times, have loved Marcus Mariota and thought that he was a very unique talent and he can throw accurately and he can run and he's kind of got a little playmaker to him and he has gotten his team into the playoffs. But it just hasn't been enough. It hasn't been like high-quality 2019 quarterback play from Marcus Mariota and I don't I don't really have a good sense for how good they're going to be because their offensive coordinator left and went to the Green Bay Packers and fascinating with Mariota like his last three years eight and seven nine and six seven and six last year decent quarterback ratings not great decent QBRs not great Decent yards per attempt, not great. It's like he is the definition of a mid-pack quarterback or maybe a little worse. Who's always been hurt. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played a full 16-game season ever. No, hasn't. So, I mean, that's. I think that that factors into it. And, you know, he's only signed through 2019. So they've got to figure out what the heck they're going to do next year. I mean, are they going to draft a guy? Are they going to look to free agency? I mean, if they don't want to keep him around, I mean... They're, they're, I don't know. That team is roots rooted in such mediocrity in a really tough division to begin with, um, with with teams that are very good. The Texans are very good. The Colts are very good. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of they kind of are like the NFC North of, uh, I guess, the AFC Just, in a way, because I, I think that you have, it's very top heavy in that in that division. And you're never you're probably not you're probably going to split with Indianapolis. Maybe you take one or two against the Colt against the uh Texans, maybe you go zero and two, but I don't know. I don't know really what what more you can expect at this point because we just haven't. When I mean, you you kind of know what you're going to get with Mariota, in my opinion, of the quarterbacks that are on this list, um, he's the one I just I'm very blah on him. So if you sign up for five more years or seven more years or whatever, however long they would make the contract of Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. Aren't you just bangling yourself? Yeah, it feels very Andy Dalton-esque. <laughs> you're, you're right. Locking yourself into Andy Dalton. Locking and... yourself into mediocrity of a quarterback that might get you into the playoffs one time, but probably lose a game. Right. And the the time that Mariota won the playoff game, Kansas City had a meltdown, and I think he threw a touchdown to himself. That He threw it to somebody else, and it bounced off of them, and he caught it and ran it in. Remember that? So he, even it was a weird situation when it happened. And I've always liked his skill set and wondered to myself, if Marcus Mariota was someone else's quarterback, how would he be? Because they had, who was their head coach before Vrabel? He was just a joker. So they had like a really bad coach, and he still won a handful of games. And then last year, 
they do not have a lot of offensive weapons unless I'm missing somebody, right? I mean, so they brought in Deion Lewis from the Patriots, and he's okay. Delaney Walker's a good tight end, but it's not, it's not like this team is just loaded with offensive weapons or had a great offensive line. They let two of their offensive linemen walk in free agency, and the Vikings picked one up, so they didn't have a great offensive line either. And maybe he's just one of those quarterbacks that needs a lot to succeed but can't get you any farther, and yet you're absolutely locking yourself into a, a Nandy Dalton with him. And, I mean, Jameis Winston's kind of a similar situation there, don't you think? So Jameis Winston is one of the hardest ones here because I think his talent level is higher than what he's performed, but I also would never, ever want to pay this man. Do you you think he's a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota? I I think he's a more talented one, but I don't think he's been a better one. Does that make sense? I don't know if he's a better playmaker. I think he has that capability, and I mean, we've seen it from time to time, but none of it's been consistent. None of it. And... I mean, he's also on this list. I thought it was kind of interesting. I mean, they did it, I think, by probably by draft. Or they did it by the year they're signed through. And obviously, that same draft, they both went one above the other. Um, It's such a weird dynamic that he gets his second chance after kind of the nonsense that happened last year. He suspended for three games. Then, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, there was a question whether Jameis was going to get his job back. Um, and, And eventually he did because Fitzpatrick, you know, he Obviously regressed, regressed. Um, but the second, the second air that I guess he gets with Bruce Arians as his coach. I mean, that's somebody who vouched for him, somebody that made sure that he was going to be around. How much longer is that leash extended? I don't think that if he doesn't perform this year, if he doesn't have a good year in 2019, they're not. I mean, they're they're only locked into him for this year because of the fifth year option. I mean, there's nothing else beyond that. So. They could, I mean, Tampa Tampa Bay could be in rebuilding mode in a lot of different ways, but specifically with that quarterback position in 2020, just because of what Jameis Winston may or may not do this year. He threw 14 picks in nine starts last year. I mean, that's a ton for mm-hmm. today's NFL. Most, I mean, that's like Kirk Cousins threw 600-something passes last year and threw, what, 11 interceptions? And Mike Zimmer was mad about how often he turned the ball over. <laughs> I mean, that with Winston, there's so many downs to him that Bruce Arians would really have to work a miracle for him to be good enough, in my mind, to re-sign him to a long-term contract. He's 21-33 and 33 in his four years in Tampa Bay, so no success whatsoever. He had a halfway decent first season, but not super great. Went 9-7 and seven the second season but has an 87 quarterback rating through four years. Just There's just nothing impressive about Jameis Winston except for it's this cloud of potential that's still, because he has a great arm, we've yeah. always known that, and they've always talked about him as knowing the game really well, but he hasn't really shown that considering the number of dumb decisions that he makes. In 2017, he led the NFL in fumbles. And, and also through a ton of interceptions. He turns the ball over like crazy. He is a total wild card off the field. Like, this is a guy that even if he had a really good year, I might just say thanks for the good year, but no thanks on a long-term contract. Um, I, th- I think with Winston, the thing, it's an anticipation. He's really good at reading where his receivers are going to go, reading route depth, those tangible things that there are some quarterbacks who aren't. I mean, you mentioned arm strength. Couple all that together. Um I don't know what it is. I mean, he's a very level-headed quarterback when he's under center. It's not like he's making stupid decisions. I mean, outside of the, you know, I'm 
I don't know every single interception that was thrown. And I'm not trying to say all interceptions are not created equal. But, I mean, I just... I don't know. I think that from the pocket, he's, you know, he could tighten his game up there a little bit. Yeah, he's, you know, he's obviously very athletic and very mobile, but none of it ever seems to come together in the full picture. And I think that that's the frustrating part because you have this incredible specimen of an athlete who, you know, could he be the next Cam Newton? Maybe. But we have never seen him scratch the surface of that potential. I think that uh, his, that's right, that his talent level has never matched up with his performance. And he does just throw way too many picks. He does fumble all the time. And the other thing, too, is um, I'm not pinning this entirely on the eat a W speech. You remember the eat a W (laughs) speech? Um, But there was this narrative with him coming out that he was just this great leader and like everybody loved to follow him at Florida State. And I think a lot of that was probably pumped up by his coach there that uh, is a great salesman. Who was it, Jimbo Fisher? Mm -hmm. Jimbo Fisher's a great salesman through the media. And I think that a lot of it might have been him with that because I've never seen that. I've never seen Jameis Winston as someone that everybody on that team is unequivocally buying into and believes in. It doesn't feel that way. And what are we on now? Coach number three? He's only been around since 2015, and this is his third coach. I mean, that reflects on the quarterback play for sure. Um, The next one on Dan Graziano's list I don't really care about is Leonard Fournette. I don't know. I don't care. Like, if Leonard Fournette is there or not, who cares? He's a running back. Sorry. He's an old-school running back, too. And you and He's very one-dimensional. And I think that he he was great in college. That is that is going to be, in my opinion, where he peaked. And, yeah. you know, that's... I don't know. Last year, all the nonsense that went on in Jacksonville. And, you know, he, had, he dealt with injury things. And even this offseason, there's been some... I mean, he's getting called out by Tom Coughlin... Uh, who was the other player that was with him and they got in trouble for? Um, oh, yeah, uh, I remember what you're talking, talking about. talking about their body language on the bench. I mean, it didn't seem like he wanted to be there. So, I mean, an attitude adjustment seems like the first thing for someone like Leonard Fournette to turn things around in a make-or-break year. But, you know, it's a running back. Right, they that's why I don't care about him. They are a dime a dozen. And I know that you spent the number four overall pick on him in 2017. Why did you don't do, do that? that. Don't <laughs> that's do right. that. That's right. Like, wow. learn from your mistakes. He's not Saquon Barkley. That's right. There's a big difference, and I still wouldn't have supported Saquon Barkley being selected that high, but there is a huge difference between someone who, like you said, is an old-style running back that isn't going to impact the game through the air as opposed to Saquon Barkley, who's a receiver and a running back at the same time. You know he only averaged 3.3 yards a carry last year, Fournette? I mean, their their offensive line wasn't great. Still, but that's, that's pretty brutal. bad. That's but brutal. I mean, when you think about it too, though, think about who their who, who his offensive coordinator is going to be. Is you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, is he really going to run that? Is much? Is he going to run that much? And I mean, is he going to be able to utilize him as a receiver? I don't know if he has a skill set to do that. No, I don't think so either. Uh, the next one on the list is Andy Dalton, who I almost feel you bad sit for. Him. Hit next, I'm tired of this. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. Is I almost feel bad for Andy Dalton that he becomes, including ours, everyone's comparison is. Yeah, you don't want to be Andy Dalton, right? I mean, he has a job in the NFL, but he's a perennial seven and nine quarterback. That's what he is. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a five hundred type quarterback. When he's got a great team, he's a ten and six 
type of guy. He's had one really great year in 2015 when they were stacked through the roof with talent on that team. They had one of the best offensive lines, several of the best receivers. We know that uh, Marvin Jones from Detroit, who was on Cincinnati, is an amazing receiver. Him and A.J. Green and... Well, actually, that's the one that Andy Dalton will always wonder if he could have gotten to the next level because he got hurt. A.J. McCarron had to play. But the whole rest of his career is just pure mediocrity. The next guy is... uh, My favorite person on this list. On Dan Graziano's list of make-or-break players, I think is a really interesting one, and that's Derek Carr. Because Derek Carr had a ton of success the year they went 12-4, and but he also got hurt in his best year almost like following so beautifully in uh, Andy Dalton's footsteps, almost. Um, do you think he's better than an Andy Dalton? I do. I do. And I know that it's, it's it goes beyond the fourth quarter comebacks. All of the ones that he had in 2016, 2017, if you want to include the what happened in their 6-10 and 10 season, um, that's just one part of his game that I think needs to be pushed out of this argument when you're talking about it can he be much better than he is um he's had a lot of talented players around him and he's got a lot of talent this year i mean he has antonio brown if you can't elevate your game with the best receiver in the nfl around you then they're going to be moving on i mean team's already moving to vegas they're, they they have him signed on through 2022 but even last year i was speaking with some people around the nfl um the interest that like Derek Carr could have gone somewhere else going into the 2019 season was very high. Hmm. Um, I would have been curious as to where he would have wound up. Something I kind of heard Tampa Bay floating around there that that might have been a possible destination if, um, you know, however they would have wanted to bring him there. But I just am not sure what goes on in terms of that front office about drafting a quarterback, about signing somebody else. I mean, what what did Derek Carr say during the draft about like? what they would have done had they drafted a quarterback this year. I know he had some quote. I wish we could find the audio for that. But basically, um, it was long. I, I don't remember if it was along the lines of, yeah, like, I'm still here. Absolutely not. That would never have happened. Something like mm. that. But it's cur- I, I'll find it. It was, it was curious because of just kind of the tone that he took with that and realizing, I think, just the pressure that's on him this year because – 2017, it's like, okay, it's the letdown year. Like This happens to teams that are inexperienced. You make the playoffs, which was the first time in 13, 14 years, and you're coming off an injury, and then 2018 was another big bust. What what is lies ahead? I think I think of anybody on this list, he has more pressure on him to perform in 2019 just as what it sets up his future because the Raiders are, I mean, look how much money they spent this offseason. Look at all the draft capital they were able to haul in um, you know, a bunch of picks with from the Cleo Mack trade. I mean, there's still so much here to sort through, and he's not even like the tip of the iceberg, I think, for that team. You know who he reminds me of quite a bit is Kirk Cousins. And I know that he has a 12-3 and season as a starter the year that he got hurt, and they went 12-4 and overall that year. So that's something that Kirk Cousins hasn't done. But when you look at their sort of profile – of their statistics and how they win as a quarterback, how they lose as a quarterback. A lot of it is really similar. It's the the one year where it's stacked through the roof his team in Oakland with maybe the second best, you know, that was the year Dallas had the great offensive line. Yeah, and they had a really good one. the, The great offensive line and everything sort of went right. Now he's got a little bit, like you said, of the more baller mentality at the end of games, and that's the fourth quarter comeback stuff, than maybe Kirk Cousins does, but... I see a lot of similarities with 
you know, putting up really good stats, but not unbelievable stats and being that mid-pack quarterback who you're going to have to put a great, great roster around to succeed. And that's always the toughest position you get into with paying him. Now, with Dak Prescott, I could see paying him a little bit more because there's the running element to his game, and he's done a ton of winning so far. With Derek Carr, it's really that one year looks more like the outlier year for his career than it does the norm, and it's a it's a lot of losing for Derek Carr so far. And I look at his pro football focus grades, it's the exact same thing. 2016, he's very good. He gets a high grade. The rest of the years that he's played in the NFL, mediocrity. And that's a guy that, you know, if I was Oakland, I would have, and of course, Kyler Murray was not getting traded anywhere. But if I was Oakland, I'd be making that phone call at the draft. Like, can you get us Kyler Murray to get us out from under Derek Carr? Because the 17th best quarterback in the league for that price tag, just it, it just isn't really worth it. And what he said, uh, just to circle back on all of that, that he was just annoyed at the rumors this past ah. offseason. And he was confident that they would not draft a quarterback. So, I mean, you're putting more pressure on yourself, I think, by saying things like that. And certainly it is your job, but it's also your job to lose. I mean, their backups are not great. And they have, what, Nathan Peterman and Mike Glennon? If you I, have, I don't know what you mean by not great. If you, turn, I mean, I know that you love a good backup quarterback, but if you have to turn to that, your season's Mike over. Glennon. That I guy is still, he, he's still in the NFL. He is, wow, what a gem. Like, he's earned a ton of money for doing nothing and being bad. It's just great. All right, we're going to take a break here, continue the conversation about uh, make-or-break years for players around the league based on an article from Dan Graziano. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. 250 here at Score North. It's time for the Score North download. I'm Jonathan Harrison here with your download this hour. Two weeks away from Vikings training camp kicking off, just a month until the first preseason game. It's an exciting time as we wind down, wind up towards the NFL season getting started. Something you can download in the meantime, Minnesota Sports Rewind. It's where Score North personalities go back in time and do deep dives into some of the most prominent moments in Minnesota sports history, including Twins-Tigers game 163, Twins and Ace from the 2002 ALDS. Kevin Love's 30-30 and 30 game and Kevin Garnett's dominating Game 7 against Sacramento all on Minnesota Sports Rewind right now. You can find it on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Alright, back here, Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, just reviewing some of our Hot Routes questions coming up in Ooh, a few minutes. There's some good ones on there. I'm good off-season excited ones. about this. So, uh, this article about make-or-break years for different NFL players. Now, let's bring that back to the Vikings. Who is number one on your list of make-or-break 2019 on the Vikings roster, Courtney? Uh, it's Dalvin Cook. And I know that some people would probably have a little bit of pause thinking, well, what do you mean? He hasn't played a full healthy season yet. We haven't seen the potential. Well, that's exactly what I mean. Because he's going to be going beyond this season. He's going into his fourth year. And if he is looking for any sort of lucrative extension, you know, if he doesn't finish a season, a full 16-game season here, or runs in the same sort of injury trouble, or just isn't what we have expected him to be all along, I know that there's this illusion out there that, he will can he will be able to be that player he was at Florida State, and 
injuries aside, be the explosive back that they've been missing in the dynamic back that they've been that's eluded them since the Adrian Peterson era. Um, you know, Minnesota could look to move on from him beyond year four. I mean, you'd expect an extension for Dalvin Cook, I would think, uh, depending upon what happens this season to come next offseason. However, they work it out with salary cap, things like that. But going into year four, um, this is critical for him. This is critical for his future and just determining his overall value as a running back in the NFL. It's a really interesting situation because this team is almost like 2019 be damned. We're keeping every player that we have. I mean, we saw this with Anthony Barr. We saw this with Everson Griffin, where I think a lot of things would line up in just the studies we've done and what we know about what wins in the NFL, where you would say, and I wrote the article about how valuable Anthony Barr is, but I think if you were looking at it from the numbers perspective and what people from pro football focus have said and things like that, you would say, okay, um, maybe you shouldn't spend all that money on Anthony Barr. And maybe you shouldn't bring back a 32 year old pass rusher because after a certain age, every player in the NFL, but pass rushers, especially start to fall off. They're not quite as bad as running backs, but they get that 30 year old dip where they start to go down, except for the exceptional ones. So you probably wouldn't do that uh, necessarily. And you probably don't want to pay running backs a whole bundle of cash, but I could totally see the Vikings doing it, but I'll give you a statistic about why they shouldn't, no matter what Delvin does. The Pittsburgh Steelers did not have Le'Veon Bell last year. We agree that Le'Veon Bell is as good as any running back over the last decade. They were fourth in the NFL in offensive yards last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers, without Le'Veon Bell. I mean, this is running backs in the NFL. They'll totally do it. If he has a great year, they'll give him all the money he ever wants, and they'll figure it out. But it's just one of those things where when you say make or break, I think that's right for his career. That if he gets hurt again, it's going to be a bad look for him. He'll never really be trusted again as a starting running back. Probably not. But in my mind, it's play the guy for his four years of his contract and then find another running back. Is the, I would always have a running back on a rookie contract no matter what. Less wear and tear. Less money. You can move on if it doesn't make sense for the organization. I mean, yeah, there's reasons to believe that that's the way to go. And they have a whole stable of them now. Um right. You know, they just drafted Alexander Madison with a third-round pick. Maybe they determine if, if things don't go according to plan with Dalvin Cook this year, maybe that's their guy in the future. I mean, they love Latavius Murray. Maybe they want. And they were, uh, you know, allegedly preparing to make him a number one running back when he was when he signed here as a free agent before Dalvin Cook was drafted. But regardless, um, it's make or break for Dalvin, I think, more than the Vikings. But financially... I think Minnesota is willing to lock themselves into him beyond this season if he do, if he's if he is what we expect him to be and what that expectation has been. What you know, Mike Zimmer talking about his explosiveness and just how you know he can be a game changing player. We just have seen so little of it because of the injuries. Uh, any other players before we hit the break? I'll throw Everson Griffin in the mix. That sure. one's really obvious. But well, it's, make, it's make or break for his career in the NFL, being yep. able to survive this season and going beyond that just for another contract. Because he has a chance. All those, all the sack numbers, playing time. He has to hit a certain mark for that contract to void uh, going into next season, which then he would be a free agent. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. It is time. You have been away from the hot routes for far too long. We're going to get Rami Maklov in here as well. Jonathan is going to participate. And I'm very, very happy with today's list. of You have a good good list. Thank you. And we will do that 
When we come back, you are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.